0: hello sky um how are you
1: good how are you
0: yeah i'm fine i i was just did a little bit of jogging in the park and now i'm back again and feeling fresh and happy
1: (laughs) awesome
0: what's your what's your first name sapphire it's
1: sapphire Sapphire.
0: yes Mm -hmm. sky sapphire and sky these are two first names. They have two first names. Yep. Yeah, right, right.
1: Just Sapphire is fine.
0: OK, Sapphire, I think we'll, I'll keep that, yeah. All right,
1: well, are you ready to get started? OK. Cool, so welcome to CWC. I am so excited to have you on the show to talk about your personal journey to being a composer and your latest album of works for piano. For people who might not be familiar with your work, would you please introduce yourself to our audience?
0: Yes, gladly. I'm, I'm an Austrian composer and uh, working in uh, different fields, both chamber music and co- concert and lately a lot of music theater uh and i'm i'm also using extended media electronics videos uh for my composition but in this case we're talking about pure chamber music and i'm a piano player myself and i'm not professional anymore but i've since my my main interest is now uh writing, which keeps me pretty busy. And uh, so writing for piano is, has a special meaning for me and I'm very, very happy to have been able to collaborate with um, with the piano player Wolfram. We are friends, we have been friends a long time and I also collaborated with his wife, Sabine, who is an uh, outstanding uh, mezzo-soprano and um, so, uh, the, the other thing to mention here is the collaboration with the label. Uh, this is um, a collaboration dating back to the 90s, and I'm I'm proud to say they featured most of my major work, both music theatre, uh, chamber music, and. This is the latest uh, of four CDs to be released. One was a a chamber music CD for flute and double bass. And the third one is one for four voices and electric guitar and live electronics developed at IRCAM at Centre Pompidou at France.
1: That is so cool. I love hearing lots of non-traditional ensembles. I think flute and double bass is such a great timbre together. I just love the colors that it creates.
0: Absolutely. Um, it's, uh, I was inspired by the color with this release and with these compositions, since uh, the main composition on this CD is called Winterlicht, which means um, the light of winter. And so, Zephyr, uh, you, you you guessed me. This is about mm-hmm. color and about timbre, and it's, it's an extraordinary combination, bass flute and ba- uh, double bass. I really love it.
1: That is so cool. That's going to have to be the next album of yours that I listen to.
0: <laughs> That's cool, yeah.
1: As a composer myself, I use color a lot when I'm thinking about my compositions. A lot of my um, pre-composing phase before I even start putting uh, pitches to what I'm thinking starts with coloring or painting, and just thinking about the different textures that I wanna put together and the different colors that I'm thinking about.
0: Yes this 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 sounds interesting it's um, um, this whole spectral thinking in spectrum and, and, and colors it's something um, most intriguing and and uh, it, it motorizes a whole uh, section of new music nowadays we can say as it did in the in the late uh, 19th century with with uh, the late Wagner and the, the late Debussy and Ravel. And um, nowadays it's, it's the analysis of spectra, its microtonality and all these uh, things which relates to color. And in this regard, um, uh, the, the present release is, is pretty monastic, because it's, it's focused on the piano, piano, piano. and uh, just the 88 and black and white and nothing else. And this is a, a very conscious step of reduction i would say uh since as you can easily guess deducing from my age i did did write uh pieces for prepared piano i did and i lately re- uh did a did a piece for two prepared pianos for as a prepared piano forehand and Ooh. uh um so i know what that how that works and uh, it's lovely in its own way but in in this regard uh i f- wrote a series of of piano piano pieces which were really focused on playing the 88 and nothing else and getting the colors the hard way
1: that is really interesting and a great lead into my first official question the first thing the first thing i thought about after i had explored your album is that i was very intrigued by this concept of in-betweens that you talk about in the cd booklet how did this concept affect your composition process in terms of technique and execution
0: i uh, i will i wouldn't rather call it a concept it's a state of being uh since i as a as a human being i'm in between i'm in between so many genres experiences um both in my actuality and both in my lifetime and i'm surrounded if I walk through the city i'm I'm surrounded by so many paradigms of music and uh, this in-betweenness it's it's for me it's a state of being uh since i'm i have the feeling i'm in between uh, uh, so many different musical paradigms happening simultaneously and uh the uh, my whole um uh, life was marked by many different stations in musical careers Ranging from being a jazz musician, a rock musician, an electronic musician, a live performer, I have been uh, more than forty years live on stage, as a, as an improviser, whatever. Uh, but in the, in this uh, work, which is shown on on this present CD, the in betweenness is of a different kind of sort. It's uh, the, it's in between um, historical reference and using refined computer algorithms on that very uh, historical reference. This goes for the um, process, proce, uh, processing of Haydn's seven last words. I did this piece twice. I, I did I did a processing for piano and. Then I did a processing for string quartet, which was also recorded on CD with Aditi String Quartet. And uh, at this time, I used algorithms to granulate the original Haydn piece. And on the other hand, it's it's um, um, very expressive music which I'm dealing here. And uh, so this this position as being a composer and on the other on the other hand being uh, um, uh making machines do the job and and program machines which are not really composing but but chopping up a piece and um i at this time i remember i, I used the metaphor i i felt rather more than a gardener and then there's uh, there are other pieces on on the uh on the c d which show this in-betweenness because um the intermezzi the first of the intermezzi. I was sitting in this very room here uh, and on my piano and I just, I, I felt a little bit depressed. And so I went to the piano and improvised a 10 minutes piece and I recorded this piece and I just transcribed it and did some cosmetics as you can imagine. And um, this was intermezzo one. So on the other hand, uh, uh, my head came in and said, I can't leave it at that. And I sent it, uh, I, I, I took the initial phrase of this composition, uh, which is anyway circling me about this this simple chord phrase, cluster phrase, and put it through the computer, like with the monodologies. And so there were two more, more uh, intermezi, two and three, which were computer processed pieces and uh so it's it's a fluctuating state in between improvisation algorithms uh free composition and and very uh uh elaborate construction in the in the context of the second viennese school
1: that's really cool i Love hearing about how your personal life experiences and philosophy went into creating these different pieces and how it has affected everything, even going to the medium of how you are writing and what you use to write. This next question comes from my colleague, Dr. Madeline Rogers. She unfortunately can't be with us today because she is camping. Um, Good for her. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So she gave me uh, permission to ask a few questions that she had written up for this interview. So here is the first one from her. As a pianist who has played many solo pieces and many transcriptions of works originally written for other settings, I'm always curious to know the compositional thought behind writing specifically for piano. As mentioned in the booklet, The Last Words was based loosely on a piece by Haydn that was reduced to the piano and string quartet after originally being composed for orchestra. And you also recomposed this piece for string quartet after the piano solo version in 2010. As a pianist, of course, I'm biased because I think it's a beautifully varied instrument with lots of expressive possibilities. But I'm curious as to what drew you to the piano as the expressive medium for this particular work in its original form.
0: Uh, Since this all deals with overwriting, um, the reference to the original Haydn piano text was essential. And, uh, so the, the overriding also stuck to the piano and not to a synthesizer or a cembalo or whatever. And, um, it's for me, it's always a ritual to, to write for piano. I overwrote lately, I overwrote the, the 12 Chopin etudes, uh, opus 10 and um i did a whole etude cycle of etudes for piano and um i i'm i really loved to, uh, the, these very very hard task to write for for piano without using tricks this this means to to know about virtuosity on the piano and really challenge the piano player as a as a uh in in the sense of a of a classical virtuosic piano piece and but the 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 conceptual uh, background goes much further here because this is basically a machine piece and a piano is a is a machine it's a, a very mechanic things i i i also wrote from for uh um player pianos and uh, which really brought this out in a a much more radical way, this this automatism. And if you look at the development of of, um, virtuosity in the 19th century, this was closely to connected with the rise of industrialism to the the mechanization of labor and um, also to bring up speed and loudness and perfection like with machines. And for me, the the, the piano is a, is a paradigm of a musical machine, and um, in a, which starts to interact with the with the, um, with the player, and with a violin or a cello, you are much closer to the breath of the instrument than with the piano. Where it, it, you can feel the strings on a piano, but it's it, Needs a lot of sensitivity and uh, um, to to work through the mechanical aspect of the instrument. And another player has to care for tuning. He or she he uh, has to find the sound. The creation has has to do the creation of 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 sound in the beginning. With a piano, you're like It's like a typewriter you press a key and you get the sound ready-made. And it's not like that, you know, there's a whole culture in developing pressing the keys. But um, basically it, it was very near to this uh, clockwork idea, which is behind the whole monodologies, this this mechanical aspect, this um, um, robot-like aspect. And uh, what's what's happening here is, more or less, uh, the reflection of a virtual automaton, a, a, a virtual machine, in a real machine, which is the piano, engineered by a human biocomputer, and um, this seemed to me a, a rather challenging interplay and and discourse.
1: That is so interesting. I have never personally thought about a piano as being a machine before, but the way you describe it it makes so much sense. And then it again fits into the whole world of in-betweens that you were talking about earlier between the mechanical engineering and the acoustical that is so fascinating. The interplay between those two states of being i love it
0: i remember when i was a kid uh, and studying the piano i started opening it up looking inside and and looking how it worked and i started to when i was 15 14 15 years old i started to experiment with this because i was intrigued by all these these um um uh machinery inside these levers and pullers and and stops and whatever was inside i was really fascinated because before it was just black and closed with a with a a cover and and the sounds came out of it and then i thought what's inside this thing and it made me discover these these mechanisms which were inside and it, it really intrigued me and Later on, I went on to synthesizers and and, and electronic machines, uh, uh, for sure. But now I'm coming back to the to the acoustic to the acoustic piano, and um, actually I, I really love this 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 game of uh, writing for the keys and creating the sound. You mentioned in the beginning the shades of sound and the timbres of sound, just by uh, uh, composing on on the keys.
1: This whole world of different waves, we can just create so many different colors and timbres with, and I will never get over just how magical that feels.
0: Right, right, right. The so same for me. And if if you look at the at the intermezzo one, it's just the making the the piano player discover to bring different lightings in a pretty constant a musical setup and it's just playing with color and dynamics on the piano. And I think um, the, the the piano, uh, the, the pianist on the CD does this excellently. It's one of, for me, it's one of the highlights of the whole CD, how he plays this intermezzo, because it's really difficult since um, it has been played by a couple of people already, uh, for sure. And when I played the improvisation, It came absolutely natural. And also the length was, I felt it with my stomach. It was okay. But it turned out that if it was being played by somebody else, it tended to be uh, a little bit, it dragged a little bit just shortly after the middle section. And um, Wolfram worked, 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 worked so long on this piece till it flowed. And he does this in the concert too, it's a flow. You, you really realize it's over. And that, that's what I like about his interpretation.
1: When you were writing for this album, did you know you were going to work with Wolfram on any of the pieces or was that a collaboration that came after the composing was already?
0: Uh, much later, much later. Since these pieces were done much earlier, uh, the the monodologies were performed uh, in, in in 2009 at a big festival in Austria. It was was performed by Mario Formenti at the opening of Musikprotokoll Graz in 2009. The intermezzi, I just wrote them for myself, and um, there uh, Wolfgang discovered them more or less and started practicing them, and he he played them together uh, during um, uh, another f- uh, author, a friend of ours, uh, who's, who's, who presented her novels and he was playing them in between the novels, uh, in, wow. in, in between her readings. And, uh, and suddenly uh, he started practicing the, the, the Hassan pieces too. And um, so the idea, we, we were, the idea arose to do a piano CD, which I always wished for that. And I want to have many, many more because yes. I love to listen to them. Piano, p- uh, piano CDs are so nice to listen to. You can put them on and just keep on listening. And um, so we said, let's do a CD because that's such a nice program. I heard it in concert a couple of times and I said, that's really nice. This is a setup which you can listen to, which is apt for doing a CD because uh, each CD has to have a dramaturgy. It i'm a listener i have here in my my room there are thousands of cds really and i uh, um, i'm listening and listening 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 and uh he, so i uh, always design a cd also from the aspect of listening uh, how would i like how should it be so i would like to listen to it and i i can tell you this cd is really very very nice to listen to and and i hope to make and make another one like this
1: i hope you make another one like this too i loved listening to this album i'm pretty sure i've listened to it all the way through like three times already after the first wow. time <laughs> that
0: sounds nice wow <laughs>
1: I have an hour commute to one of my jobs, so I need something to listen to.
0: Right, I see.
1: (laughs) So this next question is another one from the amazing Dr. Rogers. She is, um, for anyone who doesn't know, she is a uh, doctorate of piano performance um amazing person she just graduated with her DMA uh, a couple months ago so I see yeah so I'll put for our audience I'll put her website and stuff in the descriptions if you want to learn more about her work so here's the question <laughs> My most recent research project was on a piece that was originally composed with the intention that the pianist improvise, but this original sketch was not fulfilling for the composer and was revised about a decade later to provide notation and clarity for the performer to effectively fulfill the composer's musical vision. As a pianist yourself and one who can obviously improvise with ease, what are your thoughts on clarifying your intent through notation and how much is left to the performer?
0: That's a very, very complex question, uh, since it's it's the basic question about interpretation. And as a composer, uh, you send messages into space, and uh, you never know the aliens which will decode it. And uh, in in many regards, these stay will stay aliens and you will stay an alien and the communication is based on reading and in doing an interpretation a very personal interpretation of the things you wrote and i for me is that the manifold and the diversity of these interpretations is is the thing and i love to be read in many different ways. And uh, so I think you could never prescribe all the possible ways to read a text. It's impossible. And that's the good thing because all these different readings open up a discourse. And this discourse of interpre- interpreting uh, a text creates, a um, kind of community and a social space, which is expanding all over the, over the world. And uh, since it's a score based text uh, it's, it's um, open to, to reading much more open than a recording of an improvisation. And if I improvise this intermezzo on the piano, it would be gone it would be a very nice moment in my life and perhaps my neighbor uh, was forced to listen to mm-hmm. this i don't know uh but uh it it would be gone and in at the moment it i created a text based on this it became something else it lost something for sure it lost a lot of presence authenticity and authenticity and uh whatever uh, but I gained something new because the, the versions, which now there have actually been already two versions have been uh, recorded on CD of this intermezzo and they are so different. And I love it that, that they are different. And uh, I had in, in my earlier years when I did my first music theater, I wanted to control everything. I wanted, I was the super control freak. i I wanted to direct myself and whatever. And then I discovered that letting loose and open your texts for everyone. And, uh, I would even include misunderstanding here. There is a positive, pro, po, there is a positive, uh, form of misunderstanding. It's a uh, uh, misunderstanding can create beautiful things. It can destroy it a lot, but the, the, I wouldn't call it exactly misunderstanding. I would I would say that it is in somehow is being read very very well, far away from a in primal intentions, and I like it. I, I say as soon as it's as there are many it's it depends on the manifold it, it depends on the diversity that many people read one text and that's the incredible strength of uh our art form that we are based we are book based more or less and uh, the whole the whole universe of reading and being read is is opened by this and this has an Incredible value.
1: I agree. I personally love when I just finished a composition and I go to rehearse with the performers and they do something that's definitely not what I intended, but I can't say how many times I've gone, I actually like that better. Let's do that instead. Or just, it's a different interpretation, but it's just so beautiful and it's so cool Um, yes
0: and uh, i i absolutely agree and i think that it's it's a very different situation if you have one performance of a piece uh, or if you have many 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 performances of the same piece because in the first performance i tend to do the very thing you do say please do it Mm -hmm. like this please do it like this and this and this and this but as soon as you have done this, there, create, there exists a first version. And the next one refers to this version already, or is able to refer to this version and the game is on. So um, it's um, it's expanding and, and, and changing. And I now heard interpretations of pieces I wrote in the 80s, Now being played again now in the in the late 2000s and and and, 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 and during the last years, and you wouldn't recognize the piece. It's so changed and it's so different. And I I think this is this is a value in itself that the that uh, the interpretation has a history and um, is a part of a process of a changing process.
1: That is almost just crazy to me. I haven't even been around long enough. I think the most one of my pieces has been performed right now is three times. Um,
0: but that's something- so It's
1: so cool yeah. to hear how it, for you, it has changed over time. I've never really, Thought
0: that much about how repeat performances change a piece. As soon as you wrote a, 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 a score, a text, um, I I love to use this image of of message in a bottle of a message in a bottle. Mm-hmm. You throw it into the sea of time and see what what's happen, what happens. <laughs> and. Um, it's It's really now i'm I'm now I'm, I'm, I'm an old man, and um and I see um that the the scores probably will survive me. <laughs> it's It's and something which which you which which is floating in 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 space and in time and um, becomes something independent.
1: Who knows? Maybe one day someone will be doing research. About one of those pieces, and they'll stumble upon this podcast too. Or yours. True. Could be the
0: same. <laughs> it's the same. Yes.
1: <laughs> so the sonatas from this album are the fifth episode of a larger series. Why choose to use this term? You call cellular automata process and why what's something you think people who haven't studied musicology will still find intriguing about this writing process
0: uh that's that's really hard to explain without showing it uh, There's I, I, wh- wh- whoever would be interested in this. Uh, I would really encourage to show to see some videos by John Conway um, uh, uh, or uh, Wolf, Stephen Wolfram. Where you find tons of these on the internet, and just watch it. Just watch cellular automata work, and um, it's easier to show than to talk about it. These were. Actually, Automator, I used creating Monodology 5 and uh, there were more than 30, 40 Monodologies later. And uh, the idea goes basically back to Haydn because uh, Haydn created a sonata, um, type of sonata, which was, is called monothematic uh, sonata form and is based on the, on the very principle of evolving a piece from a single cell. The second theme in the monothematic sonata is being created through transformation from the first theme. And um, this whole, whole way of developing musical textures from a cell um, is already very closely related to cellular automata and um, if you look at the rise of the developing principle in the in the eighteenth century, and um, leading later to the to the technique of developing variation at, in the nineteenth nineteenth century, so it all goes back to this um, biological idea, to this bi- biological image of having a seed, a cell, which is going to mutate and branch off and, and uh, grow. And these mechanisms of growth can be created or simulated by cellular automator. And that's what I did. I just took one single bar of Haydn, put it into the automaton and there was the score. But it was never that easy. I'm simply lying here. Um, <laughs> I, had, I had to work more with this automator than I would have if I had written it by hand, which I later did in the later monodologies, I just skipped <laughs> the computer. I, did, I went back to writing this all out by hand. But um, uh, at this time, I really programmed my hem- heads off in C++ and did all these uh, uh, um, algorithms. And um, what I did at this time was, that's why I called, my, called myself a gardener then, I did, runs and runs and runs and runs for days and week of this single cell, trying out different rules, different algorithms, again and again, and listening to it again and again, listening to it and whatever. And then I cut the whole process. I granulated the whole process and the result was the final score.
1: So this is one more question from Dr. Rogers. The musical world has been impacted greatly by a rich history of pianist composers. How do you view yourself as someone who is proficient on the instrument you compose for? Do you find joy in playing your own pieces, or is it something that you are happy to release to other pianists for performances and recordings?
0: That's very simple. I'm not good enough anymore. Um, I, I can still play my, my Mozart sonatas and my Beethoven sonatas, and perhaps a, a, a few Chopin's, but I'm not good enough to, to, to play these highly virtuosic pieces, some of them perhaps. Um, I, I tr- uh, started to practice the Chopin etudes in my version a little bit, but uh, I'm, I know professional players, and we are in an age of spe- specialization uh it would for me it would make no no sense to practice them for four or five hours a day uh to get them running uh if, if other people are simply better at doing this. And um, um I it's it's also the other thing that I I love to be uh played by somebody else because it's a new way of looking things we t- discussed this already before and um this is another reason why i prefer uh, to to collaborate with 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 players and that's a very very interesting game to to work together with a pian- pianist uh, in the in the birth of of a new piece and i for example uh i have a wonderful friendship with with the leading um Belgian um, inter- interpreter for piano music, for new piano music, Dan Van der Valle. And we, were, we have been friends for decades, I have to say. It's, it goes back to the early 2000s when we first met in Czechia. And we were always discussing philosophy, arts and whatever. And we never thought about collaborating till one day, just uh, last November, he did a whole recital with my pieces in 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 uh, Transit Festival, and uh, it worked so well because we knew each other very well, and he he really uh, uh, grasped my music in a second, and and this affinity, this personal affinity, really was was reflected in his interpretation, and it, it was it was really wonderful and. Uh, this is much more exciting than I'm practicing them myself. I, I rather use the time for writing another piano cycle.
1: That is how I personally feel as well um, with clarinet instead of piano. I can play chords on the piano. That's basically my skill. Yeah, right. Um, I, but I've been playing clarinet for since I was a kid. But... I am not nearly as good as my colleagues who have dedicated themselves to specializing on the clarinet. And I know that they will do a better job than me, as much fun as it is to write the pieces. And same as what you said, the collaboration of seeing how they do it, there. Um, artistic liberties, the choices they make, it goes into making, in my opinion, a very deeply connected piece. I
0: agree, I agree. But what's behind uh, um, uh, the original question is, is a very, very important thing for me because I keep up practicing the piano. Even if I was, I'm 64 now, I still practice the piano and it's it gives you uh uh, these i would say uh down to earth touch to things so you always have to as even as a composer and especially as a composer you always have to think about that people have to play this and Mm -hmm. to be able to play that and as soon as you're practicing yourself and you're playing the clarinet you you stay in touch. You needn't be the first uh, clarinet player in the orchestra, but you, have, you, you stay in touch. And um, whenever I write for a solo instrument, this answers the question perhaps a little bit better. I have, I take the instrument home. I, I try, when I wrote the violin concerto, I just studied a little bit of cello. I'm no violin player. But I, I tried on the violin and I wrote a piece for four, four guitars. I had I unpacked my guitar. I tried on the guitar. It's, it's a very important thing for me to, to get this musicianship touch in my writing. So it's always close to the player and, and to practicability. And if I write something which is not playable, I consider this a mistake. An error and a mistake, so I, I I redo it I redo it it's it's uh, I, I, I okay there there are pieces who stay a little bit. we discussed this with Wolfram uh mm-hmm. when we discussed the first movement of the of the monodology five, which is nearly impossible to play and i I like this nearly impossible touch in in this first in this first piece, and it should stay like that it should mm-hmm. really remain a challenge but it must not overstep this because for example on the guitar you can simply write rubbish i did some mistakes in this piece they wrote back to me dear bernard this cocoa chord is not playable and then i realized i just wrote one string too many uh, i mm-hmm. forgot to to erase it uh, 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 a note from the chord. and um, um these are simply mistakes but you you, you it it wouldn't be my strategy to write uh, apart from the player, from from and I think staying in touch with your instruments and um, I improvise on here on the synthesizer. I, I practice my piano. I try to stay in touch. Yeah.
1: Absolutely, staying in touch as a musician is very important. I. Have had my fair share of sheet music given to me that is not playable. And so I think playability is so important. All right, I have just one more question for you. Any last words for aspiring artists who are listening to this interview?
0: I think. It's the whole relationship between a composeress and her musicians are based on trust. And um, if the, this trust is kind of uh, um, damaged and hurt, so uh, cynicism uh, starts to grow and he this composer doesn't know his way around the clarinet why does he write for it he should go to school and stuff and (laughs) and whatever you heard you heard this many many times in rehearsals so um it's it's really important to to bond with the musicians to create a a a a bond of trust uh to to expand and to to develop that's that's very clear
1: Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you have a great rest of your evening.
0: Thanks, Sapphire. It was a pleasure and time passed quickly, which is a good sign. And Mm -hmm. I wish you a lot of inspiration for your writing and for for your works. And perhaps we meet again one day.
1: Hope so. Thank you so much. Take care hi guys thank you so much for listening today it was an honor to have mr lang on the show to talk about his new album if you would like to give that a listen the link is down in the description it'll take you to kairos the record label where they will have the album on spotify and cd for you to listen to also a big thank you to dr madeline rogers for contributing questions to this interview it was great to have a professional pianist subscription and ideas to contribute to the interview. Go ahead and click her links down below along with Mr. Langs to find out more about the people that brought this show together. Thank you to IES Abroad and Paladino Media for giving me the internship to make this show possible. Make sure you guys like, subscribe, share to help this podcast get off its feet and become all that it can be. Have a great rest of your day guys. Bye!